All right, good evening, everybody. Welcome to another episode of V Brown Bag. Uh, thank you all for attending. We've got a wonderful show tonight. I'm, I'm very excited to get into another episode of our continuation of the V Brown Bag IT Career Series. And this evening, we're getting into cybersecurity. I've, uh, I've been fascinated with cybersecurity for a very long time, mostly on the, on the, uh, the good guy side, watching, watching as, as people are, are assailing the fortress and you know, watching the firewalls and the logs spooling and everything going, man, that's a lot of crazy traffic out there. Um, but this, this evening, we've got somebody who really, really, really knows cybersecurity. His name is Christoph Limpelaire. And he is the founder of cyber.com, which is, which is a learning platform for uh, cybersecurity, uh, previously from Linux Academy. So he's, he's got a, a long and storied history in the educate, IT education field. And I was very excited to, to get him on the show. So welcome, sir. Glad to have you on. Thank you, Chris. I really appreciate it. Super excited to be here today. Awesome. So before we get started, a couple of show notes. Um, this evening's episode is getting started with cybersecurity, and I found a the obligatory hooded, shady um, guy in the hoodie waving at you through digital fallout stuff. So different screen than what you guys are usually used to, but I figured I'd have fun with it. Um, let's get in on the conversation. If you are out in the wild on Twitter, um, please feel free to at vbrownbag or hashtag vbrownbag. I am paying attention to the Twitter feed. And if you are in the live studio audience, I will be watching the Q&A board and the chat board um, for all of your cybersecurity and career related, and, and any question actually, really just you know, throw questions at me, um, keep it clean. So um, our guest tonight, like I said, is Christoph Limpelaire. You can find him on Twitter at Christoph, L-I-M-P. Um, we also have all of the other channels. We got the LATAM channel and the AME channel. I forgot to mention that. I don't know why. I always forget that part um, because I'm a horrible person. And uh, if you want to listen to my snark and stay up to date on the new episodes, you can follow me at mistwire.com and follow at vbrownbag.com. We are posting all of our new episodes and all of the exciting stuff that we have coming up. So good, sir. I will stop sharing and you now have the power. All right. Let's see what I can do with the power. And, and by the way, I'll put my hoodie up. Yeah. Speaking of the, uh, the hooded figures, <laughs> if you don't follow Chris yet, or if you do follow him, but you haven't seen uh, the meme that he, he shared recently, that GIF of somebody hacking all the other uh, devices at um, Circuit City or wherever it was, you got to check out. You, you got to go see it. It's hilarious. I don't know if I shared my screen right. Let me check really quickly. Are you seeing the whole window or are you seeing just the presentation? I'm seeing the whole window. Okay. So I tried to be creative in how I did this. Obviously, I did it wrong. So let me let me fix this really quickly. Uh, I haven't used Zoom in a while, so let's try this guy. Okay, now I think that it should do the whole thing. Come on. Maybe, maybe not, no. Okay, new software, and as it goes with new software, you probably should try it a few times before you uh, you try using it. But is this okay? Can you see the screen still fine? Oh yeah, no, we, we can we can see it great. We're we're, okay, we're doing this live. It's all it's always fun to do the the absolutely. Live. That's really when you push the limits of systems and see how stuff works and how it doesn't work. I, I love doing that so much. But no, seriously, <laughs> if you haven't seen that yet, that meme, definitely check out Chris's Twitter. Uh, had me rolling in laughter for for quite a while. So, but anyway, thank you for that introduction, Chris. Really appreciate it. And thanks everybody for joining us live. Um, I, I know it's hard to find a good time for everybody that works, but everybody that's taking time to come to this presentation, I hope you won't be disappointed. I really appreciate you joining us today in talking about getting started in cybersecurity. And like Chris mentioned, my name is Christoph Olympelaire, uh, and, and I'm, I'm really excited to, to talk about this topic for a variety of reasons, but one of those reasons being, as Chris mentioned, that I launched a new company called Cyber, CYBR, in June of last year, and we provide both free and paid training for cybersecurity, but more importantly, we provide a community for anybody interested in cybersecurity, regardless of their skill level, to hop on and ask questions or provide mentorship if they have a little bit more experience, really just trying to make it that place to where people can go and ask a bunch of questions. And one of the questions or some of the questions that I get very, very often, probably on a weekly basis at this point is, how can I go about landing my first job in cybersecurity. This is a really tough industry to break into. 
and it is, it, it's a hard industry to, to make a living in, especially if you don't have much prior experience in IT or, or in cybersecurity specifically. So what I'm gonna do in this talk is, is try to share information about three different things. Number one, how to identify your path in this overwhelming field, just because there are so many different paths that you can pursue. It's very hard to try and figure out what you're mostly interested in. Number two, how to stand out from other job candidates when you apply uh, for jobs because it's quite competitive out there, especially right now. And number three, just all around how to understand how to go from limited to no prior knowledge to landing your first job and then actually building a career out of this. What I'm not going to do today in this talk is go too specific in terms of role, tasks, or responsibilities for entry-level positions, just because, like I said, this is such a wide field that if I try to do that, I'm going to alienate part of the uh, part of the people who are attending today. And also, to be honest with you, it would take far longer to do that. So I recommend that, you know, as we talk about figuring out your path, if you haven't already figured it out, I'm going to try to help with, with this presentation. And once you figure that, that path out or you have a better idea, then look up blog posts, YouTube videos, and things like that that go deeper into what those roles, tasks, and responsibilities are. But regardless, that's from the three things I mentioned, that's a lot to cover in about 30 minutes. So I'm gonna go through that as fast as I can. And then we've got about 15, 20 minutes, I believe for Q and A at the end. So if you have any questions, hit up Chris on, on Twitter using that hashtag. And then at the end, I'll be glad to, to answer any questions that, that come my way. So to get started, if I can go to the next slide, there we go. So to get started, obligatory about me, knowing a little bit more about who I am, what my background is, how I got, involved in, in IT, but also more specifically uh, cybersecurity. So I'm gonna share a little bit of a story to get us started that you'll see ends up tying into this presentation. Uh, but like I said, my name is Christophe, which is French, it's from French origins, and that's because I was born and raised in France. I moved to the States when I was about 11 years old. So when I moved, I had exactly zero friends, knew no one here, went to a very small private French school for a few years, so still wasn't really able to make many friends. I'm also fairly introverted, like a lot of people are in this field. And so making friends is not something that's natural or easy for me. So long story short, I turned to computers. More specifically, I started playing a lot of different video games. Um, one in particular called StarCraft One. Some of you might remember StarCraft One. There's a second version now. But StarCraft One worked very differently from StarCraft Two, and they had these chat rooms. And so you could join the chat rooms in order to chat with other people and also in order to create clans. And so there's a variety of different clans. You would join a clan and then you'd battle it out in the game to try and see who was the best clan. But the way that they developed those rooms was kind of interesting because you could actually create chatbots and you could use those chatbots to connect to the chat rooms and then chat with other people, or at least that's what it was designed to do. But before long, people realized that you could create custom bots and you could tweak them to attack other clans' channels. For example, I think at the time you could only have like maybe 50 people or so in a, in a given channel at, at a given time. And so people would, or found ways to create thousands of these bots and they would do what we called load or flood those other channels, our competitors. And they would usually spam them with so much content, usually vulgar messages since we were teenagers at the time, that they could no longer use the channel. They effectively caused a denial of service on those chat channels. And so then they would try to retaliate with the same types of attacks. They would go and deface websites. They would try to send malware or we would try to send malware and it just kind of ballooned out of control. And so because it was ballooning so out of control, the creator of the game, which is Blizzard, they're still around, huge company, they started taking action. And so they started patching the game so that you couldn't use the same bots in order to do those types of attacks. Except of course, we got creative. And so we found vulnerabilities in those patches and we kept playing this cat and mouse type of game where Blizzard would release patches, we'd find ways around the patches and, and keep going on and, and so forth. The reason I'm talking about that, we'll get to, to the reasons why I'm talking about it, but at the time I was 12, 13, 14 years old and I was just so absolutely fascinated with everything that was going on. Even in school, I would just daydream about going back online and, and finding my friends there. And so my grades started suffering and, and everything, but it, it was just so captivating that I couldn't detach myself from the computer. But the interesting thing is as a kid, I had no idea that what we were doing, first of all, was, was 
probably not legal, but we'll, we'll get, it was a long time ago, so I'm good. Uh, but also that what we were doing could literally be turned into a paid profession. Like this is something that people were paid to do or to prevent. And we were just doing it for fun. I mean, some people were doing it for, for money, but most of us were just doing it for fun. I had no idea that this could be a, an actual job. But uh, after a little while, I decided, you know what, I want to kind of move past this. I want to help people not destroy stuff. So let's move past this kind of, of darker stuff and, and move towards development because I really enjoyed the development side of it and more specifically web security and web development. And so I started focusing more time on that and then ended up in cloud computing, cloud security and things like that. But the, the main reasons I, I share that information, and by the way, I, I, I get really passionate about this topic to the point where I totally forgot to move forward in the slides. So bear with me a second as I catch up with, uh, with the slides that you're actually supposed to be following. One of the reasons that I, I talk about this story is because there is no one path to getting into cybersecurity. I didn't get into it by studying for it in school or by starting out in an entry level job. I, I just kind of started out into it as a hobby and then transitioned to adjacent topics in IT like programming, cloud computing, because that's what I was interested in, right? It, it just kind of started out as this hobby and then it turned into other things that I, I wanted to do. And now I'm back into focusing a little bit more into cybersecurity, but a lot of those experiences kind of build on top of each other. There's a ton of overlap in this industry. And so when we talk about potential entry level jobs later on in this, in this conversation, keep, kind of keep that in the back of your mind. Uh, keep in mind that there's not just one way of getting into it. You can start, and for example, if, if you're interested in something like application security, but you love programming and you can't get AppSec jobs, maybe start in programming. And, and then as you're working with your team, building web apps or mobile apps or whatever you're working on, then you can start introducing application security concepts because maybe that team doesn't already have those. And so you start introducing that, then you can add that to your resume or your manager takes notice, th that kind of thing. And, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. But keep that in the back of your mind. A lot of things in IT are absolutely intertwined. It doesn't have to be one at the expense of another. The other reason that I mentioned that, let me see if I've got, oh yeah. So the other reason that I mentioned that is because the way that I found my path was by trying all kinds of different things and cutting out the stuff that wasn't interesting to me and then focusing more on the things that were interesting to me. So. We'll talk a little bit more about that in depth in just a minute, as I mentioned, but really try to, to keep that in mind of it's okay to try different things. It's okay if you spend a month or two in one area and you realize, you know what, I really am not enjoying this. I want to go back to what I was doing before. Those are indicators, indicators of the path that you're more interested in. And that's, you're in the exploratory phase at that point. So that's totally fine. You didn't waste any time. You just learned what you weren't interested in. And again, a lot of what you were spending time on probably transfers over to other areas in IT, either the next month or even a few years down the road. So don't worry about that. Um, quickly going back to, to about me just for a second, as uh, Chris mentioned, as a side segue there, I did join a company called Linux Academy a few years after all that shenanigans. And there we were offering Linux, DevOps, and cloud training. But during my time there, I spoke with over a dozen, probably way more than that actually, but over a dozen IT hiring managers. So I got to see intimate details about how they pick the candidates that they pick, what they look for, what their struggles are in finding those candidates, and so on. And on a, on a far too frequent basis, I kept seeing organizations that were getting hacked left and right. And so when, when I ended up leaving Linux Academy about a year and a half ago, I decided that it was time to move on and, and solve a new challenge. And so I, I founded the company called Cyber, which again is, is cybersecurity training and, and community for all kinds of different skills and levels. But while I was doing that, I kept talking to a lot of those IT hiring managers and I kept hearing the same thing over and over again. I, I started talking to individuals in cybersecurity that were trying to break into it. I kept hearing the same thing over and over again. On the organization side, I kept hearing the sentence, we can't find talent, there's a massive skills shortage. But on the individual side, I kept hearing the same sentence of every single job position, even entry level, is asking for five plus years of experience and all of these requirements under the sun, they're looking for unicorns that don't exist. So it, it's, it's two frustrated sides of the exact same coin. 
But at the end of the day, who's right? Honestly, both sides of the coin are absolutely right. There, there's truth in, in both sides. Some people have this idea that to be in cybersecurity, you need to have an insane amount of experience, but that's simply not always true. It can be true depending on the type of position, especially if you're looking for intermediate or above levels of positions. Absolutely, you need a little bit more experience, but I don't, I don't subscribe to that philosophy for entry-level positions. And so when I work with organizations on trying to solve this problem, I keep trying to, to tell them, throw out your requirements completely, start from scratch, and let's really figure out what the must-haves are versus the nice-to-haves. But I'm, I'm not really here to, to talk about hiring managers. I'm here to talk about individuals. So if you're looking at entry-level uh, positions and you're not getting the job, I sometimes get a little bit of hate for this. But in my opinion, you're not actually missing out on that job because of a lack of years of experience. Not really, in, in my opinion. I mean, sometimes it might be because of a lack of years of experience. But in my opinion, there are ways to overcome that if you play your cards right, because I've seen it over and over again. So let, let's talk a little bit more about that. And let's look at how we can not just point the finger at the organizations and say, well, they haven't seen requirements. I can't get jobs. Let's try to internalize how we can work on our presence, our resume, and our skills in order to make ourselves more marketable to the organization. And to do that, I want to share another a quick story with some actual examples of people that I've seen overcoming this problem. So e either right now or, or after this conversation, uh, as maybe some homework or however you want to see it, try to think of, of maybe one to two different people that you admire either in the cybersecurity industry or even any other kind of industry if you haven't been in the field long enough. Try to think of one or two people that, that you've admired and try to think about why it is that you admire them. There could be a, a million different reasons, far too many to list, but ultimately the reason why you admire them is because you know that they exist. You've seen one or more of their accomplishments. Maybe they taught you something, maybe they inspired you, maybe they represent something that you believe in, but the reason that you had that connection at the end of the day is because you know that they exist. Again, maybe it's a YouTube video, maybe it's a blog post that you read about them, maybe it's a social media presence. It doesn't really matter what it is or why it is. The fact of the matter is they put themselves out there and you found them and you connected with what they said or what they did, and now you look up to them. The reason I say that is because hiring managers are human as well. They, they, they connect with people in the exact same way. And hiring, believe it or not, is largely or in large part about connecting with the candidates who are applying to the position. But if they can't easily connect with you, you really drastically lower your odds of getting that position. And if there's another candidate that they're able to connect with, they're the ones who are likely to get that position, even if they don't necessarily check all the different boxes, including that box that talks about five plus years of experience. So one of the absolute best ways that I've found and heard that you can help that hiring manager connect with you is by documenting your learning journey on the internet. What I, what I mean by that is really just spreading and, and sharing and shouting from the rooftops and saying, here's what I'm currently working on, here's what I've learned, um, and, and here's, here's why I'm doing it. Even if you don't feel like you have anything to document, you do, that's the beauty of it. Every single person here does, including myself. Even if you're just brand new, just getting started, start documenting that process. Document what's confusing you. Maybe you're reading some, a blog post and you're going, I have no idea what they're talking about. Talk about that. Be open and public about it. And then as you figure it out, then go back and update the blog post and say, okay, here's where I started. Now here's why, where I am. And here's the difference. And so as a hiring manager, I can then look at that and I can say, this is awesome. This, uh, this lady or this guy is, is really committed to making it in this industry. They're really committed to learning. And I'm enjoying learning about that journey. And in some sense, it, it might remind them of where they started and how they, they got to where they are as well. And so they can connect on a human level with that. I've got three quick examples of this in, in the real world. So you can see I'm not just making this up. As I take a swig of water. So this is not the, um, this is not the, the lady that, I keep forgetting the slides, I'm so sorry guys. I'll make these slides available for download. I'm really bad about that, I get too passionate about this. 
Uh, but this is not the lady that I'm talking about. This is just an example that I saw this morning. So I took a screenshot of it to, to include it. But we have a, a member in the cyber discord who's been documenting what she's been learning on LinkedIn. She's been learning some Terraform, some GitLab, some AWS, and a bunch of other stuff. And she would write about what she was learning, kind of like what Rashab is, is writing about here. So a, a few months ago, I hop on a phone call with a VP level hiring manager at a Fortune 50 organization. And we start talking about hiring, we start talking about finding talent. And I asked him what he looked for when he was looking at candidates. And he starts talking and in the middle of, of his sentence, he just kind of cuts himself off. And, and he stops for a second and then he tells me, hey, so there's actually this lady on LinkedIn who's been documenting her learning journey. And I've been watching that for a few months now. And as soon as we open a position for the skills that she's developing, I immediately want to hire her for that position. Right there and then, I, first of all, I knew who, she, who he was talking about. I mentioned the name and he said, yep, that's exactly who it is. And the beauty of that is she's probably going to get a job before they even post that position online, before other people even get a chance to apply for it, simply because she was documenting her learning journey online. She doesn't have five plus years of experience. I, I know that because I know her. Doesn't matter, even if they were going to list that on the job posting, it, it, the, the guy doesn't care. He's the one who's hiring her at the end of the day. And he already told me, hey, it doesn't matter that she has five plus years of experience. I'm so amazed with her learning journey so far over the past few months, I want to get her the, the job. There was one other guy that um, kind of a, a similar situation, except he wasn't documenting his journey. And he asked me to, to take a look at his resume. So I take a look at his resume and he has no prior IT experience at that point. And so I'm, I'm looking at the resume and I see like all these different chef positions at different restaurants. And then I see two lines at the top that are talking about uh, how he's learning Python and how he got an IT certification. And so I'm looking at that and I'm like, man, I, I know why you're struggling to, to get a job. We, we got to fix this. We got to fix the formatting, but also let's just hop on a call and let's talk about this a little bit. And so I go, hey man, why are you learning Python? What are you learning about Python? Can you tell me more about that experience? And the guy goes on a 10 to 15 minute conversation and he's not a talker. So he, he talks for 10, 15 minutes straight about all the cool projects that he's creating in Python and everything. And I'm just like, this guy is, is just spewing passion for what he's learning that's not showing anywhere on his resume or on his online presence. He doesn't have a blog. He doesn't have LinkedIn. He doesn't have any of those platforms set up. So how would I, as a hiring manager, looking at that resume, have any idea that the guy's working on, on those cool Python projects? But if you find a way to include that in both your resume and in your online presence, immediately I can connect on a deeper uh, human emotional level to that person. And I can see that passion being reflected. I want to talk to you further. I get you on the phone. I hear the passion. I, I get to, to make sure you're a good cultural fit. And then I hire you, right? That's just how it works. One quick example, one more quick example before we move on is actually with somebody in this very conversation with Chris Williams, who became an AWS community hero a couple of years ago, I believe it was. And I don't want to put words in his mouth. I don't, I haven't actually heard the story yet of how it happened. But I'm willing to bet that he didn't just wake up one day and out of the blue, out of nowhere, that opportunity fell in his lap. He, he'd been working for probably years prior to that point in giving back to the AWS community in very big ways, including with podcasting and, and blog posts and, and many other ways, and AWS noticed. And so after a while of noticing that, it made for a, a no-brainer, very easy decision, but they had to notice that work. They had to notice that he was giving work back because otherwise they would have had no idea. And Chris, correct me if I'm wrong, if I'm completely off base here. Maybe you did wake up one day and they're like, this guy looks cool. Let's give him a... It was, it was very easy. They just like literally fell in my lap. I, I sit at home and eat bonbons. I don't, I don't do anything other than three user groups, a podcast, a blog. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but that's the thing, right? Like it, all of that work that you put out it wasn't just stuck in your brain. You, you had to, to sh publicly show that. Because if you don't publicly show that, people at AWS would never know that you did all those amazing, amazing things, even if you are doing them offline. So I guess that's kind of the point that I'm trying to make. Just to be clear though, a lot of people aren't comfortable with putting out YouTube videos. That's totally fine. A lot of people hate writing, totally fine. Maybe that's not your passion, that's okay. You don't have to go to in-person meet meetups if you're not comfortable with that post-COVID or conferences to shake a bunch of hands. 
but you have to find one medium or one format of your choice that you're okay with. Maybe that's audio, maybe that's video, maybe that's written. Everybody's a little bit different, different strokes for different folks. But if you're not doing any of that anywhere whatsoever in a consistent way, that's showing your interests and, and showing where you're spending your time learning, you're shooting yourself in the foot. And the candidate that is doing those things will probably end up getting that position that you didn't end up getting. The reason I started with that as kind of my long intro to this conversation is because this advice applies to anyone, regardless of what path they end up choosing in figuring out what they want to do in cybersecurity. Doesn't matter if you're going to be in social engineering, doesn't matter if you're going to be in pen testing, application security, or anything else. The advice I just gave here is something everybody listening to this conversation, if they're not already doing it, should be doing it. But with that out of the way, we do need to talk a little bit more about actually finding your path in cybersecurity, because like we talked about, this can be extremely overwhelming. There's so many different areas that you have to understand and know. And if you don't really understand what it is that those different paths do, how could you possibly know that that's when you want to spend the rest of your life or at least the next few years doing? Some people seem to be able to find it out just like that. A lot of other people really struggle. And I was one of those people that that struggles from time to time as well. So I can definitely relate with that. But I, I did run across this book and I wanted to, to quickly mention it. You don't have to get it or anything. I'm not affiliated with it in any way, but I found it interesting because it talks about the power of passion and perseverance. And so it, it studied a lot of uh, some of the best of the best in their field, whether that's in sports or computers or, or whatever else, I forget some of the other examples, but it studied those people and, and tried to determine how they became the top of their field. And it all kind of came down to, you have to be passionate about your field, yada, yada. We've all, all heard that. But one of the things that really struck out to me is she mentions, the author mentions that all of those people, in order to find that passion, they had to try a bunch of different things. And they, they didn't just wake up one day and say, I'm going to be passionate about uh, programming. I'm going to be passionate about networking. They woke up one day and they said, I'm going to try some networking stuff out. I'm going to try some programming stuff out or some sports or whatever it was that they became passionate in. And after trying that, after a few years, they started realizing, wow, I've been, I've been spending the last seven years of my life doing this. I really enjoy doing this and I'm getting better at and better at it every single day. And that kind of ties in back to that introduction that I was giving earlier that mentioned, you know, me daydreaming about wanting to, back, to go back on the computer, to work on web applications, to work on all the other stuff that we were working on. Even when it got hard, I kept going with that. But on the flip side, I don't have any real interest in learning how to pick locks or how to social engineer or even networking or, or things like that. That's just not what I'm interested in. And I know that because I tried those things out. So what I'm trying to say that with my advice here is really try to lay everything out that you think you'd have some potential interest in and start working away at those things. And as you start working away at those things, you're gonna to start to realize that you wanna spend less time on Netflix or on YouTube and you wanna spend more time working in those different areas. And again, before you know it, you'll wake up one day, maybe three months later, maybe a year later, and you'll say, man, I, I really enjoy cloud security. I really enjoy data security or whatever it is that ends up being your passion, but you can't figure out what that is unless you go through the motions of trying all those different things and seeing which ones really stick with you and which ones are just more of an annoyance than anything and, and make you want to procrastinate and, and so on and so forth. So try a little bit of everything and see what really grabs your attention. If you literally have absolutely no idea of where to get started, this is by no means a comprehensive list of everything in or every role or category in cybersecurity. But these are kind of the ones that I'm a little bit more familiar with or that I've found help me and help beginners kind of compartmentalize different areas that they might be interested in, in trying out first, right? They might look at networking and say, I keep hearing about networking. Sounds really cool. I want to check that out. But maybe you have no interest in incident response and handling, or maybe you have no interest in social engineering, or maybe you do, right? But either way, it kind of helps your brain compartmentalize uh, what those different areas are and where you can dive deeper for a couple months and see what software development is all about, see if you have any interest in it or not. The other thing to keep in mind and the other thing that kind of complicates and makes it even more overwhelming is that a lot of these categories overlap, right? We were talking about that a little bit earlier. For example, a great example of this in this slide is pen testing. With pen testing, almost everything on this slide can have pen testing as a subset of it, whether it's software development, mobile application pen testing, web application pen testing, 
whether it's network security pen testing or cloud security pen testing, doesn't matter that that can be its own category that's standalone, but oftentimes it lives within those other categories as well. So it can be more difficult with some of these categories to look at it and say, I want to be a pen tester. Okay, great. But what kind of pen tester? Are you more interested in the networking side? Are you more interested in the web application side? So it, it, you can try to approach it from that, that perspective and angle. But a lot of times I think it's easier to start with something like networking or software development. And then after that, you might realize I really enjoy programming and I really enjoy the web application side of things or web security, I mean, side of things. I want to go on the uh, the web app pen testing side and then dive deeper into that. But I've seen people approach it from, from different angles. I just wanted to throw that out there real quick. Another quick thing I want to throw out as well is if you start going through it and you start realizing that the technical side is not really your thing, you can't really vibe with it very well, which is totally fine. There's a bunch of other opportunities that are not necessarily technically uh, or, or heavy on the technical side, I should say. Like it still helps to know the technical side, but you don't have to go super deep in the technical side. Those things could be like cyber insurance roles, cyber legal roles, if you're into legal, cyber finance roles. There are other categories. And again, this is by no means a comprehensive list, but if you go down the technical side and you realize this is not really for me, maybe you, you could still stick to cybersecurity and, and we very much need more people in cyber insurance, legal and finance as well. So don't, don't necessarily give up on, on that just yet. What I will say right now, if you're still kind of overwhelmed looking at all those different categories and you're still not really sure where to start and you're like, yeah, this guy's not helping me figure out where to start figuring out my path yet. I, I will say a recent study that came out mention that some of these roles are the areas that are expected to have the biggest quote unquote cybersecurity skill shortage in the next few years. I believe this was from last year. Yeah, 2020, it says up there. So this, this study was from 2020 and they found that based on their research, the three top roles are going to be application security, cloud security, and I call it incident response and handling just because there's a bunch of other ones below that. They call it security analysis and, and investigations, but I kind of clump that out or clump that into incident response and handling. So if you're, if you're again, you're kind of overwhelmed with all the different options and available paths that you can go down uh, into, I would say maybe start with these three and then dive deeper into AppSec, dive deeper into cloud security, dive deeper into incident response and handling, see if that's your, your jazz or not. And if it's not, then try some of the other ones. Look at networking security, which is also really important. And you can see, I think it's like the, the seventh down there, pen testing, red teaming, risk or compliance administration, and so on and so forth. If that still doesn't help you narrow it down, the last thing I can think of is maybe go on meetup.com, maybe pull up uh, the, the B side, uh, besides um, like security, besides conferences and things like that, where right now most of them are virtual anyway. So you can pull those up online and jump into different conversations. Most of these are free or very affordable. Jump into a network security conversation, jump into cloud security and, and some of the other ones and see which ones you're connecting with better. See which ones make more sense to you or that you, you're like, yeah, I'm gonna listen to this entire conversation because this is really interesting versus the ones where you're just like, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna leave, this is putting me to sleep. And that can really help you narrow down even further. It takes a little bit more time, but I, at that point, I think combining everything I just mentioned it should give you a really, really solid starting point or idea of, of where to get started. So once you found your path, I'm gonna take a quick sip of water. Once you found your path, at a high level, it's, it's very straightforward from that point on, although at a technical and deep level, this is really where the, the rubber hits the road. At that point, the best advice I could possibly give you is just learn that as much as you possibly can. You've probably already spent a little bit of time learning it. That's how you figured out that that's what you wanted to do. But at this point, just really hammer in into learning as much as you can about that particular path. Take online courses from Cyber, Udemy, other platforms like that. Look up researchers, look up bug bounty hunters, anybody that's talking about that path that you're interested in, that's creating reports, that's tweeting about it, that's creating blog posts. Study the crap out of everything you can find. And when you don't understand something that you're reading or trying to do, just keep researching that further as much, you, as, much as you can. And use that to get practical experience. The other thing I keep hearing about from hiring managers, especially for students that are coming straight out of, say, college or high school, their main complaint to me is that 
the people that are coming out with degrees do not have practical experience. They throw them into the environments and they don't really know what to do. They just know the theory. So um, the, the main tip there is just get as practical as you can. Try to turn every single concept into a practical learning experience. And then document, again, document your learning journey as you go through all those different steps. Share what you learned. Share what didn't work. Share your frustrations. Share how you overcame those frustrations. And just keep documenting all of that. The best way to practice, and this applies to most of the different categories that I had up on the screen earlier, uh, even with social engineering, you could try to do some of this. Physical pen testing, you can do some of this. But try to set up some labs for you to practice. We're talking about networking labs, we're talking about development labs, hacking labs, or pen testing labs. Most of this can be done for free or very cheap. You can set up the software, you can simulate attacks, you can sift through logs and find signs of breaches in those logs that you simulated. And then you can try to build scripts if you want that would detect those, those issues or those breaches, break that, start over, just, just keep hammering as much practice as you can, create your own mini scenarios, try to make them realistic. There's a bunch of diff different blogs out there that, that can help with that. Once you feel a little bit more comfortable from all that practice that you got with those lab environments, something that I've seen help a lot of people out is considering volunteering for local nonprofits or for, um, for small businesses, for churches. Just knock on their doors, give them a call, send them an email and say, hey, uh, here's what I'm trying to do. Here's what I'm trying to learn. I know you're using this technology. Would you mind me taking a look at it. I'll even do this for free. I just want to brush up on, on my skills. And a lot of times they'll say, yeah, sure. I mean, we don't have anybody else doing this, so might as well get some help in, in getting a little bit out there better than nothing. And so then you can put that on your resume. You can maybe get a, um, a referral from somebody that you helped by doing that, especially from small businesses and nonprofits and, and so on. And so then you get that practical experience beyond just the home labs that you can lean on during interviews and, and also maybe even take that to your own home labs again, expand on that, create different scenarios. Again, document the crap out of all that. We actually have somebody in the, uh, the cyber community, and I think I've got a slide for that too. We've got somebody in the, in the cyber community who's trying to rebuild an existing project called SQL Map, which is a tool that's used to find SQL injection vulnerabilities. And so they, they just kind of, they, they keep that open. They don't really look at the source code yet. They just try to think on, think of, okay, how would I build a, a mini version of that tool? And then they kind of compare and contrast with, uh, with how the tool is actually doing it. And maybe they found a better way of doing it, or maybe the way SQL map is doing it is better. And so they get to learn from that, but they, they get to compare and contrast with other existing tools, just in a much smaller version of that. And I guarantee you, if you put, if you put that on your resume, that's going to raise some eyebrows with hiring managers who are saying, wow, this is really cool. And they build an actual tool that can be used. I can even demo it by going on GitHub and downloading it myself. That's awesome. That shows that this person is, is, is really, really interesting. One quick tip on that before we move forward is if you get stuck, whoops, yeah, I'm getting ahead of myself. If you get stuck on trying to figure out what else to learn, like you you went through a bunch of blog posts, you did all the labs that you can think of doing, and you're just kind of, you're still not able to get the job or you're still not confident. One tip that I've, I've given to people on how to get past that hurdle is go to indeed.com or some equivalent website and pull up that job, uh, that job path that you're interested in, look at various titles for that job path and look at the exact requirements that they list on those job postings and they'll tell you what they're looking for, right? So if maybe maybe you're really good at 50% of those things and the next 50% you haven't got any experience on, maybe it's stuff like documenting, communication or, or something else, right? Using specific tools, whatever. Now you know, okay, if I wanna apply for this job, maybe I, you don't even care about that, that company or whatever, it doesn't matter. Just, I wanna apply for this type of job. I have 50% of the requirements down good. I need to, to work on the next 50. That gives you the, the roadmap and, and plenty of work to do for the next few months of areas that, that you can really focus on. Two more questions as I start to wrap up. Two more questions that I hear all the time, just to kind of throw my, my head into the conversation. A bunch of people give their opinions on this really depends on who you ask. I'll just give you my own opinion on whether you need a degree and whether you need certifications. The, the first answer I tend to give for, do you need a degree is not necessarily. I've got a big caveat and I put that in parentheses there. But to me, the, the degree can help 
get your foot in the door, especially if it's usually larger companies because they have HR that's screening those applications and sometimes they're looking for that. So if you don't have it, unfortunately, HR is just gonna toss it. So it can help uh, get your foot in the door, but I don't call it a hard requirement. I don't think you have to have a degree in order to get into this field. There's plenty of other positions that don't specifically require uh, you to, ha to have a degree. So again, going back to what I was saying earlier, if you do still go to college, if you do still go to get a degree, awesome, great for you, but spend nights and weekends getting the actual practical hands-on experience. Because again, that's what I hear most often from hiring managers of just, yeah, th these people are graduating and they just don't have the hands-on. So get the degree plus the hands-on, don't just rely on, on the degree itself and think that that will open all the doors for you. Same thing with certifications. I love certifications. I have multiple certifications. A lot of them have expired, but over the past few years, I've gathered a few different certifications across different areas. So I think they can be great. I just think some people approach them the wrong way. And I think a lot of times they are not necessary. Again, I'll talk about a, a big caveat in a second. But to me, the, the importance of certifications is not necessarily the piece of paper that you get at the end of it. The important part of certifications is the journey to getting certified. That's really what matters most because that's where you're supposed to be learning everything. So they, get, they can give you a great framework of how to go from A to Z. For a lot of people, if they're trying to self-learn, it can be very difficult for them to stay on track. Having that certification as a goal is a great way to stay on track, a great motivator. You set that date, you set the goals, and you just have to go because you've, you've already spent the money on it. So it can be a great way to do that. Just don't focus on getting the piece of paper, focus on the steps needed uh, to, to get the piece of paper and use that to create your labs, to create scenarios and so on. One big caveat on that, oops, I'm so bad at slides. Okay, I don't have it as a slide. One big caveat on that is some jobs in this industry do require certifications, do require degrees. You've probably heard of the CISSP being a requirement on some of those positions. So there are certain paths in cybersecurity where if you wanna work for government, or even some private industry that might work with government or that are big organizations, they might require that you have a CISSP or a CEH or something like that. Uh, and so in, in some cases, yes, it is a requirement. So I kind of go back on, on what I was talking about, but uh, in, in my experience, having working more with startups and smaller businesses, I haven't really worked with larger scale organizations, having worked with startups and small businesses, usually they're just, they're hurting so bad for the talent because they're so small that they don't really care if you have a certification or degree. They just wanna know that you can get the job done and get the job done well, and, and they'll hire you regardless of, of whether you have those things. So it, it kind of depends on what you personally are interested in. And so try to figure that out too. Do you wanna work at large organizations slash government, or do you wanna work at startups slash smaller businesses? And that will kind of change the answer that I give based on those directions. So with that, I'm gonna stop talking my head off uh, I've already covered a lot of different things. I'm sure there's, there's some questions coming in, but if you have more questions after the fact, or if you want to connect, if you, if you need some help, if uh, you have more questions after listening to this, then you can find me on Twitter at Christoph Limp. You can find me on LinkedIn, Christoph Limpler. It's kind of hard to spell, so you might want to take a screenshot. Or you can find me on cyber.com. That's C-Y-B-R, no E. Dot com and you can also find our discord community through that website it's just in the top menu it's completely free so if, if you do have more questions i'm on there pretty much every day almost every hour of the day so feel free to connect with me there on that note chris i'm going to hand it back over to you and see if there are any questions yeah actually uh there are um they've been they've been coming in there's there's, there's been several that are kind of overlapping so i'm going to coalesce them into into a couple of different buckets here um First off, the the so there there was a question uh, revolving certifications, and I'm going to paraphrase a little bit. Say you say you have the goal for for getting into like one of the larger business things where where they're requiring the experience and stuff. Can can you get your feet wet with a startup or with a smaller organization, and then use that experience to springboard into into the larger organizations? Or do you really need to get that degree or that or that CISSP? Yeah, it kind of depends. I'm going to give a couple of different answers on that one. So if if you're going, say, the government path and they have that strict requirement, 
Mm -hmm. they, they probably won't care that you worked at a startup, right? They'll just be like, no, th this is our strict requirement. You have to have this. If you don't have this, we're not going to consider you. And some private industry will, will also have some of those requirements. The one thing I will say about startups versus or small businesses versus large enterprises, and again, this is more of me comparing notes with some of my past colleagues or friends who have worked at large organizations since I haven't, but I've worked at startups and they haven't, so we've kind of compared notes. Mm -hmm. The thing with that is it's it's usually not as black and white as I can start there and then work my way up because to be honest with you, it does kind of take a, a different personality to work at smaller businesses than larger businesses. One of the reasons I say that is because in larger organizations, a lot of times you already have the processes, you already have the teams, you already have the culture around security. They, they throw you in there and they you have a very narrow uh, scope of work. And so, and you have a lot of help. You have IT, IT help desks that can give you hardware. You have a manager that can point you to training resources because they have a training budget. Whereas a lot of times when you go to startups or small businesses, everything's on fire and they throw you in there and they say, yeah, we have zero processes. We don't have any security tools in place. Everything's breaking. Just fix it. Go, go do it, go fix it. And I know a lot of people that would completely drown in that environment. I happen to thrive and love that kind of environment. And I don't think I would succeed at a larger organization because the structure would probably suffocate me. So I, I wanted to get that out of the way too of, it may not be as easy as that because you might end up being miserable at one end or the other, but there are a rare set of people that can handle both. And that's awesome. I'm definitely not one of them, but if you are one of those people that can handle both sides of the extreme, then yeah, I definitely think that having that experience at something like a startup or small business and being able to add that to your resume and then going to a larger organization, they'll look at you and they'll say, okay, well, this, this guy or gal obviously knows how to handle pressure, obviously knows how to handle a lot of different crazy deadlines, shifts in priority and so on and so forth. And they were successful because they, they stayed there for a while or they went from this role to this role to this role. They're probably going to, to excel here as well. Let's go ahead and hire this person. And they right. won't really care if you have a degree. They won't really care if you have that certification. Again, another slight caveat to that is if it does have to go through HR first, then they, they, they probably won't even look at all that. They might have that checklist, depending on the organization that says right, right. CISSP, check, they can go through. No CISSP, ban, they can't go through. Um, so it, it's never black and white, but hopefully that answers your question a little bit and gives you a little bit more guidance. Unless they do a lot of posting on LinkedIn and catch the eye of the hiring manager. Catch, that's the, <laughs> that's the thing, man. If you can catch the, the eye of the hiring manager, you don't even have to go through HR. Nice. Okay. Um, back to the lab section that you were referring to. Um, do you have any examples or recommendations around hacking labs? Hacking labs in, uh, can they be a little bit more specific? Is it possible to get like, whether they're talking about networking or application or just general? Uh, they, they didn't. So let's just say both. Okay. One, yeah, yeah. one, one sure. of each. There's the great news is, is there seem to be more and more platforms that are doing this and, and cyber is going to be one of those platforms that ends up offering more and more of that. Nice. As well. yeah. we're, we're focusing a little bit more on application security. We don't have labs that like you don't click a button and it deploys the lab environment for you. Instead, you do it in your own environment, which has mm -hmm. its pros and cons. There's hack the box that's really blowing up in popularity right now. They really focus on the, the deploying that environment for you, giving you some steps of things to complete in that lab environment, and then making sure you actually complete it before moving on. So it, it kind of depends on what you're looking to focus on. I would just probably Google that if you're looking for environments that can be deployed like that. Try to see mm -hmm. if, if you can type like network security, hack the box, or network security lab, or something like that. And there should be a lot of different options that pop up. If you're not looking for the one where they deployed on your behalf, if you want to create your own environments, which I think has a lot of benefits, by the way, I think both sides have a lot of benefits. So don't just rely on one or the other. Mm -hmm. If you're looking for that kind of thing, if you're looking for application security specifically, definitely check us out. We're adding content all the time or just type in like, you know, network security training or, or whatever. And a lot of those courses should end up having labs that are baked into the, the course material as well. Nice. Is that, is that hackthebox.eu? Oh yeah, I think I think that is you actually. Yeah, did I say I don't know if .com redirects to it or not. Uh, I just I just googled hack the box. Uh, yeah. Nope, nope, it doesn't exist. So it must be hackthebox.eu. Okay, cool.
Um, I, I think I think those those two covered the the gamut. Uh, some 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 questions about uh, 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 <laughs> the accursed HR folks. <laughs> um, yeah, we won't say those out loud on the on the recording. Um, no, so let me let me double check in the Twitter sphere. I think we've got everything covered. That was fantastic. Um, that, that's some some really good advice in there. It's it's interesting. You know, you're you're at the forefront of this, watching people getting into it. Uh, I've spent some time on your Discord channel, I, and I really admire the way that that you talk to these to the to the new folks um, because it's not it's not easy for somebody like me that's been in this business for twenty plus years that that to 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 go back to that beginner mind and to remember what it was like back in the day to to you know now when somebody asks me my experience i have to take i have to shave lines off of it you know drop drop entire paragraphs of stuff that i've done um and but to have somebody that you know just put one line of python but can can continue on and talk about it for hours on end i mean that's money why why would you why would you just have one one line of a of a resume like that um awesome well, and you're doing good stuff. One quick side note to, to what you were saying too, because th this this kind of breaks my heart sometimes, and I'm trying not to, to talk too much on, on education, right? I, I think education is fantastic, obviously, but um, so, sometimes I see people that are just struggling so hard to get that job that they mm. think the solution is to go back to school and, and rack up even more debt. And when I look at how like when I ask them to send over the resume and the presentation and what they've worked on and everything, and I look at how they're presenting themselves, I'm just like, oh, you don't need more, you don't need more education. You, you, you can do this. You already have the tools. You just, because you're so technical and so many people in this industry are very technical, but they're not salespeople. They're not marketing people. They don't know how to sell themselves. They don't know how to market themselves. And so, you know, they think, oh, I need to go back to school. And I'm like, no, you can get a job right now. Let's just, let's work on this. Let's do this. You got this. You don't need to go back to school. Again, nothing against that. Some people, that's how they do it. That's great. Um, but sometimes it just kind of breaks my heart because they just need that extra push and that little bit of help. So hopefully we can do more of that in the future. Chris, thanks so much for having me here today. I really appreciate it. Hopefully this helps at least one person out. And I wasn't, I wasn't just talking my head off. We've gotten some good feedback um, from the audience. Uh, actually, my uh, my goddaughter is watching, and uh, she's she's relating to this because she's now getting into into the technical field. And and oh, as cool. you were as you were painting the picture of of the startup life, she's like, "Oh my god, that's totally me." <laughs> <laughs> so so uh, she she is she is currently going through this, and I'm and I'm uh, work, working with her, uh, talking her through the the you know the pitfalls and foibles of, of early IT life. So <laughs> there are many, <laughs> but it's yeah, fun. There are definitely there, a fun there are. Awesome, sir. Uh, thank you very much. Um, once again, this was a pleasure, um, folks. Uh, check him out. All of his information is on the screen. Uh, we will be posting uh, links to the site in the show notes and his contact information. Uh, Christoph, it's a pleasure. Uh, next week, we will be back again with a continuation of the V Brown Bag IT Career Series. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, really, really uh, awesome folks lined up, um, and I promise that I will be posting them on the website uh, with dates and, and attachments because I'm terrible at that. Christoph, thanks a bunch, man. Thank you.